Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. After years of pressure from climate activists and others, Oregon Treasurer Tobias Reed released his plan last week to reduce the greenhouse gas emission impacts of pension funds to net zero by 2050. The plan is now being considered by the Oregon Investment Council, which oversees the management of about $90 billion of funds for more than 400,000 retired public employees. Oregon and other states have faced challenges in making meaningful progress in decarbonizing their investments, while also fulfilling their legal missions to maximize returns for pensioners. Tobias Reed joins us now to talk about his plan. Welcome back to Think Out Loud. Thanks, Dave. Good to be with you. Let's start with the basics. What are you you asking the Oregon Investment Council to do? I'm asking them to have a look at this plan of which we are really proud. What we set out to do uh, is to really reduce the investment risks that climate change presents to our ability to generate returns in order to, to pay the benefits to to public employees who have served us, the public health nurses, the teachers, the firefighters uh, who have earned their pensions, our ability to to meet those obligations is a direct reflection of our investment returns. And climate change threatens those investment returns. So we built a plan that goes as fast as we can um, to eliminate that risk, or at least minimize it, uh, without jeopardizing our ability to to pay those benefits. And the Investment Council now has it in front uh, of them And we want to make sure that uh, we're getting an external view of the work that we've done over the last year. We're really, really proud of this work and excited uh, uh, about the next steps. What does it mean for investments to, quote, achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions? Ultimately, what we're going to see is less investments in fossil fuels, less exposure to those risks, and more exposure to the things that are reducing climate risk, uh, clean energy, renewable technology. And the the ability to, to do that while not jeopardizing uh, those returns is, is what we're after. But you're not – in answer to that question, you said less, but, but what does net zero mean? Net, net zero means that that we're going to have uh, we you know it would be unrealistic to say we're going to have no carbon emissions, but we're seeking a position where those emissions are in balance with the planet's ability to absorb them. Um, they're they're going to be there in you know in some form and in some level, but we're getting lower and getting to net zero, so they're balanced out uh, by the climate solutions that we're adding to the portfolio. How big a role can carbon offsets play in your plan? We're we're focused on reducing actual emissions and and investing in in clean energy and renewable technology in the the things that will make uh, make other technologies possible those enabling solutions. Uh, port, the offsets are are not really part of the. Um, uh, of the the construction that, that we've come up with here to get to net zero, we're at we're focused on on real world impact. That's that's one of the real pillars of of this plan. If so, if net zero greenhouse gas emissions is the goal, where are we right now? Where are we starting from? 
Well, it's a complicated answer because it, it plays out differently in different parts of the uh, portfolio. But we started with um, a really intense effort to, to establish a baseline. Um, and we've looked at that in different ways in terms of absolute uh, investments. But the more common and more useful way of measuring that is emissions intensity. And a way of saying that is tons of carbon per million dollars invested. It's, it varies quite a lot across different parts of our investments. But as an overall average, we are uh, across the portfolio. We're about um, 60, um, 60 uh, tons per million dollars invested, and we want to we want to continue to move that down as fast as we can uh, in a responsible way. Um, there was a to me a really eye catching chart in in a long presentation that you prepared for the Oregon Investment Council. <clears throat> it showed that in a little under two years, from December of twenty nineteen to September of twenty twenty one. The public employee retirement fund's estimated exposure to fossil fuels went from more numbers here, I apologize, but they're important 4.44% of the portfolio to 3.66%. The, the percentage decrease in that exposure is really significant. It's 18% decrease. How did you do that? Well, it's important to remember what the the time frame. So that number is is interesting. But what we've seen over the last several years is that the the exposure hovers somewhere between three and five percent, and that varies, of course, according to what's happening in the markets. What we're more interested here in here is is where we're going to be over the long term. Uh, that. That reduction, I think, is going to be uh, balanced and countered by hopefully an increase in exposure to renewable technologies. Um, we've been trying to make that that transition for years. Um, you know, this 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 plan is is the the next step. It's part of a, a multi year effort that we've been on for for a long time to address the investment risks of climate change. And this plan uh, is going to continue to uh, to move us in that direction. But the reason I. I'm focused on this is it seems really significant. If you could have a, a an almost 20% decrease in in estimated exposure to fossil fuels in less than two years, then then why do you need another 25 years to go down, you know, say, 80% more? Well, that I wouldn't just I just would not put too much on that on that specific time because markets move and they are not um, I would say that that, um, that large change that you're pointing to is not the result of a specific action uh, in, in that time. It, it happens to coincide with our, uh, our longstanding commitment to try to uh, address those risks. In other, to- in other words, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted, this is just an important point. You're saying that was not the result of a concerted decarbonization effort, an existing effort. It was just the way the market went in that time? Not not a discrete effort in, in that it was something new. It's the continuation of our broad um, effort, and it, it accelerated, I think, in that period of time due to some to some market uh, conditions and, and probably some other decisions that we made about specific strategies or specific managers or, or those sorts of things. I'd have to dig into it to, to be more specific, but it, that's why it's not, I think, that significant in and of itself. I think it fits into the rest of what we're trying to do here and making sure that we are going back to... Um, 
um, to our principles. Another way of thinking about this is to not get too hung up on the definitions of, of what a, a fossil fuel company is. So, for example, you know, because this is this is risk that's throughout the economy. Think about Amazon as an example. Nobody probably would characterize them as a fossil fuel company, but they have a huge uh, footprint. Think about all the planes and trucks and everything they're doing to transport things around the world. Data centers, so, which suck up enormous amounts of energy. Sure, exactly. Another great example. So uh, we want to think about that risk across the economy, and I'm less concerned about that specific, you know, 4.4 percent that you you pointed out, and more interested in what we can do to use our our leverage as a uh, as an institutional investor to to push for for overall emissions uh, decreases uh, across the economy. If you are just tuning in, we are talking right now with State Treasurer Tobias Reed. He recently released a plan that's been in the works for about a year and a half to make public employee pension funds net zero in terms of carbon emissions by the year 2050. The term that comes up over and over when we talk about this issue and and the Oregon Investment Council and what they're going to be looking at is fiduciary responsibility. Remind us, please, what that phrase means. It means that we have to put the other interests uh, ahead of our own, the, the interests of our of our pensioners, our beneficiaries. You mentioned it at the top. It's 400,000 plus people who have devoted their careers to us. And part of their compensation was the retirement benefits that they, they've earned. So we have... The, the legal, the constitutional obligation uh, to put these dollars to that purpose. Um, it's not it's not optional. It's it is an ethical and legal responsibility. So it's uh, it's a it's a trust uh, fund. It's these dollars are sometimes uh, erroneously referred to as public dollars. They're not public dollars. They belong to those public employees who have earned them, and we have to act in their interest. Um, the the good news is that you know for for the rest of the planet, our our investment. Interest our fiduciary interest aligns with trying to reduce the investment risk that that climate change represents. But we're in this conversation because there has been a clear failure in the policy process elsewhere in the world. Congress has not done enough. International institutions have not done enough. And we want them to do more. The investment world will respond to that. I mean, this plan looks a lot different and a lot more achievable now than it would have had we constructed it prior to the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which has obviously changed the the calculations for a lot of technologies and a lot of investments. So this plan is going to evolve. It's going to um, respond to what happens in the world, um, but it puts us on on an offensive path and a a place that allows us to protect the the pension fund and and the beneficiaries. Let's say that this plan is approved and it it is enacted. What would happen if investment returns were way lower as a result? I mean, how would that hole be patched? Well, it's not any different than what happens right now because we are making decisions um, in the long run interest of beneficiaries. We look at uh, in investment returns over uh, long periods of time, 20 and 30 years. And there are certainly periods of time when our investment returns do, do not match the, um, the assumed rate or the expected rate. And there are times when they're well ahead of them as well. Just even in the last few years, you can see examples of that. So um, what we're after is a a long run rate of return that puts us on a on a path um, to to success and and not addressing the risk uh, of climate change I think is is very risky and so I, I think it is absolutely part of my responsibility as a treasurer to put us on a on a path that that reduces that risk and and protects beneficiaries. 
Three New York City pension funds were sued last year by plaintiffs who say that the divestment of about $4 billion from fossil fuel companies went against the, the fund's fiduciary duties, the duties that we're talking about that exist you know, all over the country. If this plan is approved, what kind of legal pushback are you expecting? What have you been preparing for in advance? Well, one of the things that is really important in the, is the way that we have constructed this plan. It is very rigorous. It uses all of the you know the best practices and data. The 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 perfect you know, the place to start that question about fiduciary responsibility is: Are are you acting with rigor? Are you are you putting uh, good um, solid basis behind your decisions? And that's that's what we're aimed at here. This is not political. It is financial. It is uh, putting those the interests of benefit fisheries uh, at, at the top. Um, we could be sued for, for doing anything, including nothing. And I think that is as, as much a risk um, a beneficiary could say, you're not taking this investment risk into account. Um, so in the end, the, the, the best thing and the only thing for us to do is our best effort at, at making sure that beneficiaries are at the heart of every decision that, that, uh, that we do. And that, that, is, that is my responsibility. If I understand correctly, the legal argument of the NYC plaintiffs is that their pension funds took money out of fossil fuel companies in 2021. Then Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent oil and gas stock prices soaring. So they could theoretically say or, or are saying that index funds of, of energy stocks, they, they're up 40% or so over X period. And Sustainable funds are up not nearly that much, and so we lost this money because you made this political decision. But my understanding is that the, the, the pension fund planners are going to say, well, no, we're looking in the long term, and in the long term, as, as Tobias Reed, as you've just said, these equities, they don't make sense. They're, they're, they have their own risks. No judge can look... 10 years in the future and say, this is what this equity stock or this mutual fund is going to do. And I mean, if they could do that, there would be no, <laughs> no system, no financial system like we have now. It just makes me wonder how a legal system can even approach these questions. Well, I'm not a lawyer, um, and I, I appreciate your your point about the fallibility and imperfect knowledge that we all have about the future. What what gives me confidence is the engagement that we've had with our beneficiaries. Um, we've been talking to them individually and collectively. In fact, we engaged in a, a pretty significant survey and came back with with the really strong sense that our beneficiaries um, want us to be cognizant of this uh, of this risk, and at the same time be be generating the returns that we need to, to pay the, the retirement benefits that they have earned. So we are we are aligned. I think uh, we're on very solid ground legally, and I think we are well aligned with our beneficiaries, and that that gives me confidence about how we've we've constructed this very thoughtful plan. Do you have a sense now for the time frame for OIC's decision making? <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to take the the bulk of this, uh, and and I should not speak for the for the chair because I'm I'm a voting member, but but we have a, an external chair who does uh, does an excellent job, um, and I think I think the council is likely to to be uh, deliberate uh, over the next um, several months uh, to uh, to consider the investment implications of of this plan. We've been focused uh, on the uh, emissions implications with a, with a good sense of the uh, investment implications, but an external view of that. 
that is going to be really important. In the meantime, we are not waiting. Um, we're not we're not just standing still on that. There are there are a number of steps that we can take on right now, including uh, a, an intensive review um, of of carbon intense sectors, um, getting prepared, uh, adding potentially uh, capacity inside Treasury, uh, improving our, our own um, uh, levels of, of preparedness for, for this plan. Let's say that the plan is approved. How durable could it be? I mean, could it be changed under a new treasurer and a new slate of appointed members of this investment council? Well, you know, policies uh, change with with elections. Certainly, there there will be a new treasurer. You know, there'll be a future new governor someday. There'll be new secretary of state. All of those sorts of things. But what we know is that the investment risks of climate change are not going anywhere anytime soon. And my goal is to have a plan that is durable, as you said, that uh, has the buy-in from beneficiaries, the investment council, legislators. And I think if a future treasurer decided that she or he did not take the uh, investment risks of climate change seriously. Um, all of those other folks would have something to say about that. Tobias Reed, thanks very much. Thank you. Tobias Reed is the state treasurer for Oregon.